Here's our quote for today's episode. These extensive plains have been lately burnt, and the grass had sprung up and was about three inches high. Vast herds of buffalo, deer, elk, and antelopes were seen feeding in every direction, as far as the eye of the observer could reach. Hey all, I'm Paul Severs, interpreter with Great Parks of Hamilton County, and you are listening to Take It Outdoors, a Great Parks of Hamilton County podcast. This is a show where you can enjoy the outdoors from the indoors. On this, our third episode, we are going to look into controlled prairie burns, also called prescribed burns. We'll look at the ins and outs of how and why we do a controlled burn. The quote you heard at the top was an entry in the journal of Lewis and Clark dated September 16, 1804, and that was 214 years ago. It shows that fire has been a part of prairies for countless years, but what's the purpose? We all know fires happen, they're a part of nature, but is it important enough for us to start them on purpose? So on the first half of our show, we will discuss the why, and to do that, I am joined by Tom Borgman. He is the Conservation and Parks Trainer and our resident prairie guru. Tom, thank you for joining us today on Take It Outdoors. Oh, it's my pleasure, Paul. So before we maybe get into the burns, we should probably talk about the prairie. So what exactly is a prairie? A prairie is an area that is almost treeless or treeless. It's a field or a meadow. The prairie specifically uh, is a collection of native plants, usually with tall grasses, uh, with great names like big blue stem and Indian grass and switchgrass, which distinguishes it for our purpose from meadows and fields is that it's all native grasses and and, uh, flowering plants. A meadow might just be a grown-up lawn. It's no longer mowed. It has cool season or non-native grasses and weeds and, and other such plants. Uh, or a field that might be occasionally mowed, just kept like a, a hay field or a, a pasture. We know that fire can obviously be dangerous. So why then is it so important that we start one ourselves? Why do we burn these prairies? And why would we not burn our yards then? Well, all the many species of plants that occur in a prairie are fire-resistant or fire-dependent. They need fire or some kind of natural disturbance to persist and to reproduce. Their growth buds are at or below the soil surface, where a lot of the other plants that we call cool-season plants that green up early in the spring, like our lawns, would be damaged by fire. They grow above the surface, and they're not fire-adapted. So besides uh, making the neighbors unhappy unha- <laughs> and being a, a hazard, we don't burn our lawns for that reason. If we have to burn the prairies to keep them healthy, how did prairies survive before humans began controlled burns? I mean, if we're the ones going in to do these fires, well, what about before we did the fires? Yeah, that's a great question. There's three basic ways that prairies stay prairies. Much of the area around here want to naturally turn into a forest. But if it's a steep, rocky hillside with thin soils, prairies can do quite well there where trees would not grow there. Or if it's extremely wet, um, there aren't many wetland trees in, in this part of the country. So that could be a wet prairie. Or an area that is frequently burned, either naturally or by people. A lot of the... Uh, 
historic and prehistoric Native Americans would light prairies and burn areas uh, on purpose and maintain areas for that reason uh, by fire. Uh, they early on figured out that after uh, an area is burned, the wildlife and plant life comes back better than ever. So the Native Americans, I mean, centuries ago, generations, generations, generations ago, they were doing prairie burns before we even were doing prairie burns. They burned prairies to keep the prairies healthy, uh, keep, uh, keep it from becoming too shrubby and, and unwanted woody vegetation. And they, it, the prairies also provided food for them and habitat for wildlife that they depended on. So after a prairie was burned, they noticed that the, the plants were much healthier, flowers bloomed more often, and the wildlife was more abundant. Is it possible then that, I mean, we all, you know, growing up and learning American history, they would talk about the Great Plains and the vast prairies, which are not all of them are there anymore. But is it possible that some of these prairies, maybe there was more of them simply because the Native Americans kept them that way? If they didn't burn, could it have been that the eastern woodland forest would have maybe crept further west than it did? Yeah, there's different kinds of prairies. If you start at the Rocky Mountains heading east toward us, the um, rain shadow on the east side of the Rockies created a real dry habitat. So those are the short grass prairies, and it was too dry for most trees to grow. And then in the central plains, there was enough water for prairies and taller grasses and, and wildflowers, and those prairies were kept open uh, primarily by bison and uh, lightning caused fires, and then eventually by Native Americans. The further east we go to Ohio and Indiana, we're in the eastern tallgrass prairie region. We have more rain, deeper, richer soil, and we did have bison here in the past that do not like trees, but uh, love and thrive in the prairies. Um, so the bison helped and uh, fires from lightning and um, from people. What about all the animals? I mean, you just you talked about the, the diversity of animals that these prairie burns help them. It seems a little, when you first think about it, you'd think it's maybe the opposite. Hey, it's fire. We think of Bambi, those types of issues. So what, what about the animals? What happens to them when we start these prairie fires? In a controlled uh, prairie fire, we're, we're very careful and deliberate that it only burns at the right time within safe conditions. So it's not a wildfire at all. It still produces a lot of heat and smoke. And we also always leave unburnt areas uh, of prairie nearby. So when we light a fire, almost all the wildlife flies, hops, crawls, or slithers out of the, of the fire area. They, they know to avoid it. Uh, the reason it's better for those same wildlife that are threatened by this fire is that they depend on a healthy prairie for survival. If that prairie wasn't there, they wouldn't be there. When we think of forest fires, a lot of times when you hear in the news how fast they move, so this isn't the case then with prairie fires. They're not moving quickly. I mean, if these animals are able to escape. Correct. If the conditions were such that they would move quickly, we wouldn't be burning. 
these are these are on very narrow parameters for when it's acceptable to uh, light a prescribed burn. So Smokey the Bear would he'd be okay with these? Yeah, Smokey the Bear these days approves of fires even in forests because controlled fires prevent wildfires that are catastrophic. You mentioned earlier about that these prairie plants will hold their buds closer to the ground as opposed to plants that you might find in your backyard, say. How do they have other adaptations that allow them? I mean, if if these fires are going to kill woody shrubs and trees, I mean, what about their root systems? I mean, there, are there other adaptations that they have that allow them to survive these kind of fires? Yeah, that's, that's a real great question. If you've seen a prairie after it's been burned, it, it's just black and you'd think everything was dead but but actually it's it's just ready to wake up and, and grow better and faster than ever one reason is uh, prairie plants have super deep roots if a big blue stem grass is eight foot tall above ground it's at least that or more underground and spreads out greatly so those for those reasons uh, fire um, stimulates growth. It doesn't do harm to those plants and uh, also makes those plants very drought tolerant and uh, great for holding and building soil. What about the microbes and the nutrients in the soil? You say the prairie plant roots go deep. Is that because nutrients at the top are destroyed? Yeah, after a prairie burn, the uh, nutrients that are tied up in the upper portion of the plants are released into the soil and made available, which is one reason why the year after a burn, prairies are, are greener and lusher than they were the previous year. And as we all know, heat rises, and I've witnessed many times where uh, some vegetation that was laying flat on the ground after this prairie went, fire went through, everything's black, you kick that vegetation, and it's there's still green growth under there, and it's not burnt. So the heat is just just above the surface. I've also seen live, healthy mice running around on the ground after a prairie fire went through, because they are just below the surface. I've heard of in wetlands that maybe had disappeared, or they drained them, that when they brought these wetlands back, there were seeds that had been in that seed bank for sometimes 100 years that came back up once they put them back to wetlands. Is that the case with these prairie plants? I mean, they drop these seeds. You say there's millions of them out there. Can they come back after years and years? Do they remain viable that long? Yeah, that's an interesting qu- question. Some prairie plants have seeds that may only last a year. They, they have to sprout in any opening like right after a burn, uh, the year they're produced. Uh, one example is one of my favorite prairie grasses that is also a great landscape plant called prairie drop seed with its graceful, fine, drooping leaves. Those seeds would find a, a, an opening in a prairie after it was burned and come up and fill in. Other prairie seeds may last decades or centuries. Some of the uh, baptisia or false Blue indigo is one example. It's a hard, small, pea-like seed that could be in the soil for for many years and come up when there's an opportunity. Are there any seeds that have to have fire in order to germinate? Hmm, I'm not aware that there are. 
there may be some pine trees need fire uh, in a forest to pop open, but as far as prairie seeds, I'm not aware of that. Some prairie plants will disappear after a while if a prairie is not burned or if there's not some kind of disturbance like from bison because some plants are in the prairies are more aggressive and crowd out the less aggressive ones. A lot of times we think of we think of disturbances in nature, we think of humans, but clearly there's natural disturbances then as well. Yes, yes. And of course I said bison because they're cool big native animals. But it could be a, a storm, a flood. Uh, fire, of course, is the most common disturbance. Uh, it could be a landslide or a drought. What about the smoke? Obviously, it's fire. It's producing smoke. Um, is that, are there any concerns about this adding to already issues of pollution? I mean, especially if they're doing burns maybe in more urban areas. Are, are there concerns about the smoke adding to that pollution problem? Well, anything burning does add, it is pollution. It does add to the particulate matter in the air, which is not desirable. So we have to look at the big picture. A healthy, thriving prairie uh, does the opposite. It, it helps clean the air. It's big and has a lot of leaf surface that takes in pollutants. So we want the prairie to be healthy for the for the years that we're not burning it, it's reversing that pollution. It's a habitat for many kinds of wildlife that we think are desirable and should be here. And also the alternative to burning is uh, mowing it with a tractor or uh, other mechanical means, which again, burning diesel for several days to mow a prairie versus burning it for a couple hours. It's probably a a healthier thing for the environment to burn it with better results. Bottom line then, let's say this was the last year that great parks burned their prairies. In 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, when we go to places like Miami Whitewater Forest or Cougar Hills, Glenwood Gardens, where we have prairies, in that time span, what what would we see happen if we stopped burning? Some of our prairies were planted um, as because we had an opportunity. Uh, they were a cornfield that the park district acquired, and we wanted to create a prairie in an area that there may never have been one. 150 years ago, where there's a cornfield, there might have been a forest. So those prairies would probably, because of the soils and the forest nearby, eventually become a forest again. The problem with that is in our area now, we have a lot of invasive plants that may want to move in there before our native oaks and hickories and maples and beech trees do. So it may end up being a field of honeysuckle or uh, the invasive flowering pear or other plants that shouldn't be there. Other areas that there are prairies um, that maybe used to be prairies, um, when the settlers first arrived in this area, the Native Americans burned them and maintained them. They may still be a prairie in 10 or 15 years, but they won't be as diverse or healthy 
And there's also a little bit of concern when you have all the thatch from the prairie grasses that grow and, and die over the years, that builds up and can be a more catastrophic wildfire if something happens to cause that to burn uh, unintentionally. By us starting these fires, then we're actually potentially preventing worse fires? That is a possibility, yes. And fires in our, in our area are usually not very frequent, but they do happen. Uh, could be sparks from uh, equipment or a transmission line transformer or careless uh, campfire or other sources of ignition. And then we get these wildfires, and they've, they've happened several times in the last few years, and it'd be better to not have so much fuel to burn um, when that happens. Tom, is there a prairie in the Great Parks that's a personal favorite of yours? Oh, they're all great. I enjoy visiting any of them, but I th- would have to say the Shaker Trace Prairie at Miami Whitewater Forest, since it's the biggest and most diverse and includes a wetland area, is my favorite. Now that we have a better understanding of the why, let's head outside for a better understanding of the how. Today we are at the Little Miami Golf Center and the Great Parks of Hamilton County Burn Crew is here and they're using the parking lot as a staging area where everybody's getting ready. Right now the burn crew is getting dressed up in these yellow jumpsuits. They are this heavy material that probably on any other day would be close to unbearable in the heat even on a 60 or 70 degree day but today it's a beautiful day but it's still only about 35 degrees right now so that heat won't be quite as as unbearable as it could be so they're about to gather and meet and people will get their roles for today um, but their part is going to be in this burn so this is something that is highly planned out even though the weather can is the ultimate deciding factor and whether it happens or not the logistics of it are still very, uh, very much planned out because safety is obviously rule number one. Um, the safety of the people that are burning, the safety of the uh, of the public that might be in the near area, of course, the safety of the wildlife, um, and just the protection that hey, we are burning what we want to burn and not burning what we do not want to burn. So once this meeting's over, once they get their rolls, they'll pack up and we'll head down the street to Kroger Hills, which is one of the great parks preserves that we have it runs along the little miami bike trail so if you've ever been on the little miami bike trail say if you start at bass island or avoca and you head down the trail there's a very large prairie between the trail and the little miami river and they will be burning part of that today my name is chris glassmeyer my title with the great parks is little miami park manager we are in Newtown. We are going to be heading to our Kroger Hills Preserve for a prescribed fire on a 17-acre prairie planting. We have about 12 of us here today. Uh, we'll have one prescribed fire manager. I'll be acting as that today. Uh, that is certified by the state to uh, perform prescribed fires. Any prescribed fire in the state has to have one on site. Uh, we'll have two torch persons and the rest of everyone else will be uh, on the, what we call the holding crew. How did you get your certification? Uh, you have There's prerequisites with the state. You have to be on at least 10 wildfires or 10 prescribed fires. Then you have to go to the uh, Ohio Certified Prescribed Fire Managers Training in Columbus. It's a four-day training including a prescribed fire uh, where you get certified to become a, a prescribed fire manager. 
Now it's about 35 degrees or so. It's probably it's pushing 40 by now. Sunny. There's no clouds in the sky. It's a slight breeze. Does that play into why you're doing this today? Absolutely. Weather is our biggest factor on whether we can or cannot pull off a prescribed fire. Uh, we like to have drier conditions. The rain this spring has been really trying with our program. We haven't gotten enough burn that we would like to. But wind is picking up. The wind is actually a good thing as long as it doesn't get too windy. Anything over 15 to 20 miles an hour is pushing our limits. Uh, but we're going to have about a 5 to 10 today. Well, the, one of the biggest factors is humidity. Right now the humidity is probably pushing about 60%. During our fire it could plummet down to about 30 at the lowest, uh, which really dries out the fuels in our prairie. The grasses and the forbs in the prairie will dry out and take fire a lot better, especially if we have lower winds today, like a five mile an hour wind isn't a whole lot. The lower the humidity, the better the, uh, the, the fire will take to the prairie. What precautions have you taken before you even start? Well, we have what are called burn breaks surrounding the unit. It's a 15 to 20 foot mode area where there's no fuel or very low fuel. So the fire where when we set it, it burns into the unit. And as it burns out, it doesn't have a lot of fuel to take and our crew puts it out as it burns back out of the, the fire. So as we move along, we'll light it, it'll burn into the prairie, it'll start burning out, the holding crew puts that out and we keep going along. So we usually start the year before with our preparation. We start mowing burn breaks late summer the year before if we know the unit is coming up on the rotation next spring. And after that, we just kind of maintain it low as possible throughout the season and the next spring. Uh, we try to get it to where it greens up a little bit, green grass doesn't burn as well as dry fuel, and then we have an established burn break. You talk about the rotation, how often do you try to burn, like this one today at Kroger Hills, how often would you burn that? Uh, most uh, units are on a three-year rotation. We do burn some units differently, uh, considering different needs. If we need to kill out uh, woody pests or different invasive uh, species in the prairie, uh, this one hasn't been burned for about five or six years. It's in desperate need of some fire, so we're hoping that it burns well today. Once you start burning, what are some of the safety precautions that you take? I mean, I'm assuming there's certain clothes that you wear, you don't go in and sandals and uh, shorts. Absolutely. We all have uh, Nomex clothing on. Nomex is a uh, fire retardant material. We also have Nomex hoods and a helmet with a visor on it that flips down. It's made of thermoplastic, so it helps uh, block a lot of heat from hitting your face. So that makes you able to get in and work closer to the fire. Heavy leather gloves, heavy leather boots, and things like that to help protect our firefighters from the fire. So when you guys are burning, does the local fire department have to come out as a backup or is this an, something that's done entirely within the Great Parks of Hamilton County system? It's done pretty much primarily with just Great Parks personnel. We notify the fire, local fire departments before every fire. We let them know before and when the fire is done. That way if we would have an escaped fire or anything like that, we could call them as a contingency plan. But we've never had to do that in the past and our goal is to never have to do it in the future. So how many total acres do you hope to burn this year? This year, I believe we had close to 200 slated, but with the way things are greening up and how late our season is, it's our we will not burn past April 15th due to ground nesting bird season and other things like that. So we're kind of pushing the end right here. It's been a very wet spring, so we're not gonna hit what we hope to get this year. Do you have an estimate of what you've done so far? Uh, we've burned no more than 25 to 30 so far. Today will be another 16, 17, and that might be about it for the year. So you're looking about hitting only about 20 percent of what yeah if that it is what it is uh, you know we can't control the weather so we'll just put it, everything back on the rotation for next year and hope next year's a better season coming out today to join in on the burn here at Kroger Hills we've been wanting to do this fire for a long time and today will finally be the day we're pushing marginal conditions 
Uh, our RH is getting kind of low. We have a little bit of wind, so hopefully what is here will burn. Um, it's about a 17 acre unit, hasn't been burned in five or six years. There's a lot of thatch buildup. We'd like to get it killed out. There's some woodies in there we've been controlling mechanically. We'd like to get this killed out with fire, anything that's coming back up. Uh, we want to get it burned off so we can spray teasel rosettes and any teasel that's going to be coming up a lot easier. We've had a real problem with that the last couple of years. So this will be a good way for us to get on top of that. So anyone that has been designated a piece of equipment, get it fired up, get it turned around, get it figured out, make sure it's ready to rock and roll. Anyone else that's been designated a broom holder, a holding person, grab a broom and everyone suit up and be ready to rock and roll in about five minutes. We are now at Kroger Hills. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's about 40 degrees. Humidity is somewhere between 30 to 40 percent. And that means that the green grass can catch, but they have safety measures to make sure that doesn't happen. They start the fire with drip torches. So there are two people with these drip torches and they're headed in opposite directions along the fire break, starting the prairie burn. The drip torches have fuel in them, which they drip into the prairie and then light it with a match. It starts small, it grows bigger from there. So right now I'm looking at a small fire, maybe two feet in diameter, and they're just waiting for that to continue to catch and move through the prairie. Two people are walking the perimeter of the fire with backpack blowers. They use those to blow out the fire that comes into the fire break. So as the fire grows, it burns into the prairie and it also burns into the fire break. Now because the fire break has been mown, it is green so it doesn't catch nearly as easily as the dried and the dead plants that are in the prairie so it's easily contained. And after these blowers, there are people who walk behind them with brooms. Now these aren't brooms that you would buy at Home Depot. These are fire retardant brooms they use to stamp out whatever is still burning into the fire break. And past them, there is a John Deere Gator with a 100-gallon water tank and also a truck with a 300-gallon water tank. And they come in last and they'll spray any areas that are still smoldering. So there are many different levels of safety precautions they use. Safety, of course, is job one when conducting a controlled burn to ensure that they burn the prairie and only the prairie. The prairie has been burning for almost 10 minutes now and I want to give you an idea of what I am seeing. I am in the fire break. It's about a 12 foot wide swath that was mown last summer to keep it down. There's some green grass, not much that is dried out. In fact, there are some mud puddles even I'm standing next to from the rains last week. To my left is the prairie they're burning. Now it's not these giant flames looking the sky. The prairie is not engulfed in these flames. It's very controlled, hence the term controlled burn. And as it moves along, the dried grasses burn out fairly quickly. Even within these first 10 minutes, already maybe a half acre has burned and it's out. And there's a line of flames between the blackened field that has already burned and the dried grasses of what is yet to burn. Now, one of the people with the drip torches, she's walking towards me to start a new line to continue to move the fire through the prairie. They've told me that the fire is moving uh, pretty slow today. Other times it will move faster, but today they're having to continue to push the fire through the prairie. It's been four hours now and the controlled burn is finished. 17 acres were burned and although there is no smoke, there's nothing smoldering, it's all been put out at this point, but there is still a campfire smell that hangs in the air. It's not at all unpleasant and that smell will continue for the next couple days even. 
Two people will hang out for another hour or so. They are tracing the perimeter to make sure there are no spot fires that rekindle, but this controlled burn was definitely a success. 17 acres have now been burned. And now we sit back and we wait and we watch as nature does her thing. In a few short weeks, this prairie will be green again, it will be lush, and it will be teeming with wildlife. If you would like to witness the succession of the prairie after a burn, I have three options for you. First is the Kroger Hills burn. You can go to the Avoca Trailhead at the Little Miami Golf Center. Head east on the Little Miami Scenic Bike Trail for about a mile, and you'll see the burn on your right between you and the Little Miami River. For an even closer look, you can go to Miami Whitewater Forest and head out on the Shaker Trace Outer Loop, and you'll see where they burned there. Your third option is at Glenwood Gardens along the Wetland Loop. All three of those, check them out. Go back a couple of times through the spring, through the summer. You will see the prairie transform from a burnt out field to a beautiful, colorful, thriving prairie. I highly, highly recommend it. For more information on the Avoca Trailhead, Little Miami Golf Center, Kroger Hills, Miami Whitewater Forest, Glenwood Gardens, and there's also prairies at Farbach Warner Nature Preserve and Woodland Mound to check out, visit our website at greatparks.org. Folks, that is our show for today. A quick interesting side note before we go, though. The word prairie is the French word for meadow. When the English made it to the vast Great Plains prairie, they didn't know what to call it, so they just used what the French were already using. Now you know. Tom, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Paul. I enjoyed it. I would also like to thank Chris Glassmeyer for hosting us at Kroger Hills. And of course, thank you, listener, for joining us on Take It Outdoors, a podcast where you can enjoy the outdoors from the indoors. Make sure to check back next month for our next episode. And until then, I'm Paul Sievers. Get outside, enjoy nature.